Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha reading. Stay tuned after the Drosh for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the message. when even though I saw a lot of these things I really didn't know what I was going to do until this morning and then the floodgates opened and I was like stop (laughs) so so hopefully I can get it all in and it'll make sense and I saw a whole lot more than I'm able to put in these notes because I mean it's just it's amazing what you see when you go deeper and deeper into this word our portion is Chaye Sarah and Sarah Sarah's life ends at the beginning of our portion and her name means princess, so God changed that name from Sarai to Sarah, so he, he named her princess. And uh, last week we went over the Akidah of Yitzchak, the binding of Isaac, her son. And in, uh, in this section of scriptures, by that I mean all of the parashot that we've been going over for the last few weeks, including next week's, in this section of scriptures... Isaac's name is only mentioned twice between his being bound and him getting married. And it's not a direct mention of him. It is a second person mention of him. And hopefully that will become more clear. The last mention in this section of scripture was, by myself have I sworn, says Yahweh. So what I'm talking about is we are in Chaye Sarah. And at the end of this portion, we see Isaac come back on the scene, right? Right. The last time that he was directly mentioned was at his binding, after he got up off of the altar as a figure of resurrection, and God the messenger, the Malach Yahweh, speaks to Abraham from the sky and says, By myself have I sworn, says Yahweh, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, that in blessing I will bless you and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven. And he goes on and gives a little bit more detail about that. But in the Hebrew it's, Ki ya'an asher asita et hadabar so if you remember last week, I talked about three Alephantals in the Binding of Isaac, right? Here it is again. And look what it's connected to. The Word, your Son, your Beloved. Three Alephantals again. Alright? Just like last week's that took us into the Hikalu. But the first one here is connected to Hadabar, and it's translated this thing, which is accurate, but don't tell me it's not a hint at the Word of God in and of itself. Okay, because we all know that Isaac is a foreshadowing, a prefiguring of Messiah Yeshua, who is Hadabar, the Word, in flesh. But then he says, then you have not hidden. It's translated, you have not withheld your son, and that is accurate. You know, if you're beginning to learn Hebrew, you need to understand that verbs can change meaning depending on what binyan they are in. And we talked about that briefly 
on our Hebrew study on Thursday night, and if, at some point we will go deeply into that so that you can learn the Binyanim. But it's a primitive root. It's only used in one place in all of Scripture, and this is it. And it means withheld. It's translated into the English as withheld here, but the root is chashach. And chashach means darkness. You have not hidden, you have not kept in the dark your son, your beloved one, from me. I think there's a lot to that. I think there's a dual meaning there in his withholding. He did not withhold his son from Elohim. Then you have the second elephant tav, which is your son, Bicha. And then the third elephant tav, which is Yechidecha, which is rooted in the word Yechid, Echad. Your unified one, the one who is unified, the one who is knit to your soul, because that is how he is described. There's, there's, I think, three men, three pairs of men in the scriptures whose souls were knit together, and this is one of them, Abraham and Isaac. Yechidecha. Okay? And then, after telling Abraham, you've not hidden your son from me, then in the scriptures, God hides Isaac from us. Multiple chapters. We don't see him again. So Abraham, at the end of the Akidah, says, So Abraham returned unto his young men. Abraham returned to his young men. It doesn't say Abraham and Isaac. This is in verse 19 of the, of the Akidah, which is what, chapter 22, I believe. It doesn't say Abraham and Isaac who were on the mountain making sacrifice. It doesn't say they. It doesn't say Abraham and Isaac. It says Abraham returned to his young men. And they, Abraham and his young men, rose up and went together to Be'er Shabbat, the well of the oath. And he dwelt at Be'er Shabbat, the well of the oath, the well of seven, the well of completeness. I did a teaching on the wells a few years ago, I don't, a series teachings on the wells in these portions a few years ago. Isaac is hidden from us until the end of the next portion, which is our portion this week, Chaye Sarah. So, Isaac doesn't go with him. It doesn't say that Isaac is living in Be'er Shabbat, and then he's not mentioned again. His name comes up twice, however. In chapter 24, 4, it says, but you shall go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son, even for Yitzhak. That is the first time his name is mentioned in that quiet chapter. The next time, it's in verse 14. And this is interesting to me. The first time is Abraham sending a servant to go find a bride for his son. Next time, that servant is praying. And he says, O Yahweh Elohim of my Adon Abraham, send me, I pray, good speed this day. Let the same be she. And then he says all the conditions of how he wants to spot the wife. And he says, let the same be she that you have appointed for your servant, for Yitzhak. Those are the two times that his name is mentioned in these chapters. We don't know where he is. We're not certain. We can't say by the text. That he was with Abraham. Are you with me? I can't say that he wasn't. All I'm saying is, I can't prove that he was there. 
by the text. Right. Is everybody with me? Yes. So he's hidden from us. He doesn't even take part in, you don't see him mentioned at all in the death of his mother. Think about that. This woman was 90 years old when she had him, waited for, on a promise from God, and had this beloved son, sent her, her, her stepson away because she wanted to protect him. And, you know, her whole life was wrapped up in this boy. And he's not even mentioned in the funeral services or in the where she was buried. His name doesn't even come up. I find that odd. Don't know what to make of it, except it must be hinting at something. All right? I believe that it's possible, and I, I, I really think that Sarah's death here is symbolic of Israel. And if you did not pay attention to Tehillah 45, Psalm 45, go read it again after today. Because it didn't, I had no idea what song went with this portion. And I can remember in times past thinking, what does this have to do with the death of Sarah? And now I know. Because I believe she prefigures Israel. She dies. She's the mother of Israel. She's a princess. Her son is last seen before she passes away and not seen again. Abraham deals with Gentiles to bury her. Isaac is not to be mentioned. Then he sends a servant who's not a member of his household, or is a, but is a servant in his household, to find a bride for him. And he's only mentioned, Isaac is only mentioned in the sending of that servant and in the prayer that that servant made. And that servant brings that bride and brings, brings her to Yitzchak. And that is not done in Be'er Shabbat. He was not at Be'er Shabbat when he brought her to him. He was at Be'er L'chai Ro'i, which is miles away. In similar fashion, Yeshua dies and rises from the dead. Let's say, let's, let's superimpose him, Yitzhak, over him, right? Let's superimpose Israel over Sarah. Yeshua rises from the dead, and Israel dies as a nation. Isn't that how it went? After Yeshua had risen up as a lamb, and vanishes. Yes. Israel as a whole. Think about this. Israel as a whole. If this, if that prefigures Sarah, as far as we can tell, we don't know whether Sarah ever saw him again. Israel as a whole never saw Yeshua again. He didn't go preach to the multitudes after that. In those forty days that he was ministering before he ascended, he only appeared to his Talmudim. Are you with me? The masses never saw him again. He never preached to them again. He went to private places, locked in a room, out on the lake with the fishermen early in the morning when everybody else was still in bed, up on a mountain. He never visited Israel again. Wow. 
He was hidden. And for the last 2,000 years, God has mentioned His name to us. And we pray back to Him in Yeshua's name. And we do that ultimately to bring Him a bride. Don't we? That servant in this drosh is us. He doesn't have a name. Everybody down here who preaches Jesus or preaches Yeshua wants to pin their name up and make their name well known. You'll see, I don't do that. I don't care whether or not anybody ever... As a matter of fact, I shroud my name in a Hebrew word and I don't even post it. Because it's not about me. It's about Yeshua. It's about declaring Him. It's about rescuing people from, from Sheol and bringing Yeshua a bride. It's not about us. I don't care if I have a good reputation among men. I'm quite sure I don't. <laughs> and, you know, I don't care if everybody knows my name. My wife and I go to Chewy's on, on Sundays. <laughs> And there's a handful of people there that everybody knows our name. We call it our, our Mexican cheers. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just the people at the bar that we care about. I don't know who all these other folks are. It's just usins. That servant didn't have a name. He said, we never, we don't know who he is. Abba has sent us to fetch a bride for himself. That servant prayed, O Yahweh, Elohim of my Adon Abraham, send me, I pray, good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master. The servant was worried about good traveling, not for himself, right. but for Abraham. Are you with me? Oh, yes. It wasn't about him. Right. Behold, I stand by the fountain of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Hello. Go, if you want to win people out of the kingdom of darkness, go where they drink. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about imbibing alcohol. I'm talking about where do they take in spiritual nourishment? Mm -hmm. Where do they get it? This is the only reason I'm on Facebook. Apart from announcing things to you guys, is to try to reach people. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Me too. That's where they drink. As a matter of fact, they're drunk there most of the time. Intercept them at the well. We have to be wise to the wiles of Hasatan, like Natan was. So over in our Haftarah portion, Natan said to Bathsheba, if you don't remember what happened, David is old. He can barely see, he can't take care of himself, he stays cold all the time, he's in bed, he's got a, a maiden in there trying to keep him warm. Comfort him in his last days. His wife doesn't, doesn't very often see him. And so his kingdom is being taken out from under him. Again. And Natan, the Navi, goes to his wife. Bat Sheba, by the way. Be'er Sheba, Bat Sheba. That ain't a coincidence. And says, Go and get yourself in unto Melech David and say unto him, 
Did you not, Mandon, O Melech, swear unto your handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Shlomo your son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne? Why then does Adonia reign? Behold, while you yet talk there, there with Hamelech, Natan says, while you yet talk there with Hamelech, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. Sometimes we have to remind our king of his words, not because our king is lying in a bed and he's, he's indigent or anything like that, but because it's his principle. It's his principle that he does everything based on his word. David, the kingdom of, of David, had to run on David's word. God's kingdom runs on his word. And so, so the prophet is smart here. He says, go remind the king of what his word is. The problem wasn't David's indigence or silliness. The problem was he was uninformed. He didn't know what was going on. He was in bed. All right? But the, the rightness of it is, is that the king's word has to be carried out. All we got to do is make him aware of it. Right. For us, it's making the king aware that we know what his word says. Yeah. We remember the oath that he made to us. God promised that if we go out and lift up Yeshua, that he would bring men to Yeshua. That's an oath. The problem is, people aren't lifting up Yeshua. Most of them are holding up the wrong Yeshua. Come to this guy. He's Greek. He, his, you know, his Pope is the vicar on earth. You know, you know what that means? Rules on God's behalf is what they believe. Speaks his word on God's behalf. It overturns his written word. That's what they believe. That's the wrong Yeshua. Am I saying all Catholics are, are condemned? No. Lot, most people don't know what their own religion believes. Right. Including Protestants. They don't know. And Protestants sometimes hold up the wrong issue, with it, the wrong Jesus, especially today. They hold up the wrong one. This is why I teach and teach and teach and ask you guys to study, 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 learn, 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 and go out and, and declare you do not need a degree to go, out and, to go out there with confidence and say that God raised his son from the dead. Do you believe it? Yes. And you ought to have the capacity to speak it. Yes. I'm fired up now. <laughs> I'm only have one sip of coffee. It's not, it's not the coffee. <laughs> Does it take away from you? <laughs> Incidentally, there's an affirmation of, of the translation that we did of uh, Matthai, Matthew, chapter 5, verse 17, in this last verse here. Behold, while you yet talk there with Hamelech, I will also come in after you and confirm your words. U mileti et devaraich. U mileti et devaraich. I will come in and fulfill your words. We wouldn't say that, would we? We would say confirm. And that's the same word Yeshua uses when he says, I did not come to abrogate, abolish, destroy, do away with the Torah. I came to male oto, to confirm it. Yeshua's words confirm the Torah. 
Here we have the king. Back to the scene of David. Here we have the king being addressed by a prophet who sent in the, the king's bride. to beseech the king concerning inheritance of the kingdom. That's the same thing as salvation. That is what we do every time we try to bring someone to Messiah is to secure the inheritance, not for Hasatan, but for Yeshua. Are you with me? The Navi, the prophet, says, you go in and say this, reminding the king of all his promises. And the Navi says, I will confirm your words. And that's similar today because we go to the king and we say this. If we're, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're praying according to his word and we're acting according to his word. We're reminding God that we know that what his word says. And we're standing in that authority and not our own. And the prophets confirm it. It's a backwards idea on the notion that we are supposed to follow the word of God. Are you with me? If, if our actions match the word of God, then the prophets are confirming the results that we're getting. And that bride's name is Bathsheba, the daughter of the oath. And she was supposed to go in and confirm the oath. She's confirming it specifically for the inheritance of Shlomo, who would be the Messianic king, right? And a lot of people don't realize this. How many of you realize and know, without having to think about it, that Shlomo was one of the fathers of Yeshua? A lot of people don't think about that. And he's in the line. Because he skipped the begets. They don't realize they can learn something from those begets. As you have shown <laughs> All right. Shlomo was born of David, and in Matai, our portion, Matthew chapter, actually in chapter 1 of Matai, verse 6, it says, Yeshai, who we read about in our Haftarah portion, fathered David Hamelech. This is in Matthew. Fathered David Hamelech. David Hamelech fathered Shlomo, the wife of Uriah. That's Bathsheba. Yeah. And Shlomo fathered Rechabam. And then you keep going down and all. This one fathered this one, this one fathered this one. You get down to Yeshua. And Shlomo is mentioned as the son of the wife of Uriah. She's not mentioned by name. We know her to be Bathsheba. She's not mentioned by name. There are three women who are mentioned by name in the line. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. Tamar, Rahab, and Ruth. They're mentioned by name. Tamar was a harlot. She wasn't. She pretended to be. Right? Yes. Rahab was a harlot. Wasn't she? 
Yeah. Lived in the gate. Ruth, Ruth was a Gentile. And Bathsheba was an adulteress. <laughs> Four women in the line of Yeshua that were product or involved in, sort of, uh, some of them against their will, but involved in a sinful act. And that is in Yeshua's royal line. People have to stop being surprised that there's sin in the Messianic kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, never mind all the men and what they did. I'm just pointing out that these are the only women mentioned in the line. The rest of the women that are in the line didn't do these kinds of things. But these did, and they're named. They're mentioned. And I believe one of the reasons that we need to look at that is because... We have to realize that God looks past our humanity. Amen. He looks past our humanity. And the flip side of that is humans look past Yeshua's humanity and ours. Yes. Do you realize that? Yes. They're surprised when someone sins. <laughs> They're surprised when someone is, isn't perfect. going around, you know, preaching and stuff, and they're surprised when they stumble. Right. Mm, that's good. Yeah. We have to recognize the power of, of His redemptive blood for all His people and the compassion of the Father. God chose Tamar. To be in that line. God chose Rahab to be in that line. That's right. God chose Ruth to be in that line. Right. And Bathsheba. Yes. God, David suffered because of his sin of adultery. He repented of it. And God blessed that union. People are redeemable. Amen. Especially when you recognize his compassion and his blood. God makes his own children in spite of what religious people think. And so after Yeshua is born and named in our portion, Yeshua goes to Mitzrayim, just like Yitzchak had to go to Mitzrayim. Yeshua had to go to Mitzrayim. Jim is living in, in Mitzrayim. Because he's in denial. <laughs> you need a pair of glasses. <laughs> he's got, he brings billboards to read from, and he's still. I would have, before I thought of that, I was thinking this, and I, I don't want to joke with him without saying this. Jim is a faithful servant. Amen. Volunteers, goes the extra mile, yeah. wants to do it right, finds out he does it wrong, doesn't get all mad, just fixes it, yeah. and goes the extra mile to That's fix it. Right. And puts all kinds of effort into fixing it. I wish everybody did that. Then Yosef is sent back to Nasrat. 
Yosef and Cayman dwelt in a city called Natsrat, so that what was said by the Nevi'im might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Natsrit. More than one prophet had to say that, because that's what it says, Nevi'im. What was spoken by the Nevi'im had to be fulfilled. It's no coincidence to me that we sat here today and read the 13 attributes. Yagwa, Yagwa, El, Rafum, Echanum, Erechachayim, Rab, Chesed, Be'met, Notzer, Chesed, Lalafim. Guardian of compassion, or the one who extends compassion to thousands. That's not a coincidence. I, I don't believe. I see it so many times where our liturgy lines right up with what we're doing, and it's we're scheduled. I don't pick it according to the Drosh notes. This is scheduled. It's fixed. It never changes. I follow this faithfully. I'm a little bit like Jim. Both of us are OCD, I think. <laughs> and, uh, and so much of it relates to what we're talking about here today. Notzer chesed. The noon there is lowered and enlarged. And I believe that's a picture. What am I talking about? Let me clarify this. In a Torah scroll written by our Jewish people today, that noon is enlarged and descended. They don't know why they do it. But any scribe today who writes a Torah scroll will do that, not knowing why he does it. I know why. Because Yeshua is the Netzer who descended down, extending compassion to God's people. Reaching out a branch of compassion to God's people. <clears throat> That's not the only place. In uh, Yeshayahu, chapter 11. Ve'yatsa choter migeza yishad. Ve'netzer misharashav yifreit. And there shall come forth a shoot out of the stock of Yishai, and a branch shall grow forth out of his roots. A branch, a netzer, a guardian. It's all the same word. It's spelled exactly the same way. Out of the stock of Yishai. Yishai means my. Out of my stock. God is speaking... It's a play on words. It is out of Yishai, Jesse the man. But it's his stock. Are you with me? The word netzer, to me, proves or is there in order to remind us and prove the necessity of the humanity of Yeshua. Most people overlook his humanity. I'm all about calling him divine. I'm all about calling him Yahweh in the flesh, but he is a human. Yes, he is. And I said is. Right. He still good. is a human. That's good, that's good. He's a resurrected human being, a man standing at the right hand of the creator who sits on his throne. Wow. And Netzer is used to identify him as a human being. The town Natsrat meant 
a low place. And we've been to Israel. Yeah. That sucker's way up there. Mm -hmm. On a high mountain, isn't it? That's why they wanted to push him off the cliff. At the synagogue. After the synagogue. But it means a lowly, degrading, you know, it, it's, it was a town of ill reputation. Exactly, Netanel. Nazrat. What good could come from there? It's a backwater town, like Saratoga. <laughs> My wife is from a backwater town, but even she says Saratoga, she never. <laughs> Most people who drive through there, <laughs> That's how people thought of that's right. It literally does stink. Yes. She's not lying. <laughs> Yeshua is the Netzer. Now look at this. Natsli is used in the Brit Hadashah just a few times. I don't have the chapter references. I could find them for you if you wanted them, but... One of them is verse 69. Now, Kepha, this is probably the Matai. Kepha set out in the courtyard, and a maidservant came up to him and said to him, You also are with Yeshua Hanatsri. You know what's going on there, right? What's going on there? Kepha is denying Yeshua. And Yeshua is called Hanatsri. Next verse. And there was in their big Knesset a man who had in him an unclean spirit. And he cried out and said, Yeshua Hanatsri, what have we in common? This one should have probably been first. But I had to, I was running out of time. This one should have been first in the list because this chronologically comes before Kepha's denial. You with me? Yeah. An unclean spirit calls him Yeshua from Natsrat. When he heard that it was Yeshua Hanatsri, this is another one, he began to cry aloud and say, O Ben David, have mercy on me. He heard he was Yeshua Hanatsri. He associated him as Ben David, son of David. And he was blind. Unclean, blind, and denial are associated with Natsra. Whom do you want? Yeshua said to them. And they said to him, Yeshua Hanatsri. And Yeshua said to them, I am he. And Yehuda the traitor was with him. Betrayed. Was associated with Hanatsri. The next one, Ze Yeshua Hanatsri, Melechayuti. This is Yeshua the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. That was hanging on his tree, above his head. Execution. Unclean, blind, denial, betrayer, executed. Now look at how the Philippian used that name. Men of Israel, hear these words, Yeshua Hanatsri, a man from Elohim. who appeared among you by miracles and signs and wonders which Elohim did by him among you, as you also yourselves know. This man, who was consecrated for this purpose by the foreknowledge and will of Elohim, you have delivered him into the hands of wicked men, and you have executed and murdered him. There's all that stuff tied up in what Kepha preached, is it? 
And he called him Yeshua Hanatsri. He called him a man, a man, a man, a man. They had to understand they killed a man. As well as the divine one. They had to understand that. People today don't understand. You are right. They don't understand. They don't. They don't get it. Kepha then, that's Kepha's first message. Not long after that, he says, In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Hanatsri, rise up and walk. Then let it be known to you and all the people of Israel by the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Hanatsri, whom you executed, and whom Elohim raised from the dead. Behold, this man stands before you, evil. His death had to be declared. People don't declare his death anymore. They might declare his resurrection, but that's a, that's a divine thing to them. That's a thing that he did himself. The Catholic Church will tell you that God raised himself from the dead, even though he was dead. That ain't death. Whom Elohim raised from the dead, behold, this man stands before you healed. I emphasize that in a, in a wrong link because he's talking about the guy that he healed. Another one. For we have heard him say, this is at... Uh, Stephen's execution, stoning. Okay. For we have heard Stephen say that Yeshua Hanatsri shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moshe entrusted him. <coughs> and all who were seated at the council looked at him and saw that his face was like that of a malach. And then Yeshua appeared to Shaul was also called Paul. He said, I am Yeshua Hanatsri, whom you persecute. Hanatsri. He didn't say Messiah. He didn't say King. He didn't say Yahweh. He didn't say anything else but Yeshua, the man. I'm Yeshua, the Nazarene. Talking to Paul, who was going around killing people, and saying, you persecuting me. They persecute us because they want to persecute Yeshua, who is a man risen from the dead. That's why Paul was persecuting people. And then the last place is they called themselves Nazrim. The believers in the in the Brit Hadashah never called themselves Christians. No. They didn't. They sure didn't. Thank you. They called themselves Nazrim. It was at Antioch where they were called Christiane first. And that was a pejorative. It was an insult. Christiane. Little Messiahs. That's what it was. They didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves Natsrim. They were followers of Hanatsri, the guy who had been betrayed, unclean, know who he is. He was betrayed. He was denied, he was executed, he rose from the dead. It's important to preach the, the humanity of Yeshua. Yeah. Yes. And he is our Yitzhak. He's out meditating in the field. Maybe right now. Waiting for his servant to bring him his bride. Um. <laughs> if, not, if not right now, you know, soon. maybe soon. 
It makes me want to go. God speed. Give us God speed so we can go get the bride. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to the Drosh for this week's Parsha. In the description, you'll find all the links to our websites and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Mikdash Mayot ministry. Until the next time, we pray God blesses you with shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.